0: Off The Ball
1: Find us on Twitter at Off The Ball
0: News
2: Talk 106 to 108
1: Alright, it's uh, Friday night Brian just goes with us How you doing Brian? Very well, thank you This is a decent weekend of Champions Cup action It's proper It's all business then Now every game matters
2: Yeah it does I think it's it gets to the point now where you've a fair idea who's likely to come through who's fallen away Yeah And um, I was looking at the pools earlier on, and it's the first time that certain teams will be cheering for other teams, yeah. knowing that a good result for them will be favorable in particularly in a in second place qualification in their pools, so lots of teams I'm sure will be cheering for Leinster tonight to get rid of Montpellier yeah. equation altogether, so those sort of things have started to come into play now
1: um I was also thinking today this is the run this is the start of a run of games for the very top players that ends at the end of June with a three-test series against the Lions. Pretty much every time you play a match now, you're either up for selection or you're against a future opponent or you're against a Lions opponent. Everything really starts to matter from this point forward.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, listen, Martin Gatland has been paying attention. Uh, he would have paid attention in no- in November tests. Uh, Six Nations is really where it's at, but for those teetering on the brink, uh, Europe will um come probably at the quarter-final stage, will be advantageous to some yeah. and hurt others. Um,
1: you can lose your place in the international team in the next couple of weeks as well, though, and that's why there's a lot of kind of individuals who just need to get their shit together tonight.
2: Yeah, yeah there are. Um, I, I think from the individual's point of view and, and you know, look at Lions in bigger picture, you know, you're crazy if you're thinking Lions is a carrot now. You know, There's so much real rugby to be played and exciting rugby, obviously with Europe and with Six Nations, uh, that if you go well in those, the byproduct of that is lion selection. Yeah. You don't go and try and win lion selection. It just happens organically, usually by your teams doing well. Yeah. And that's the main focus. And that's a bit, you know, bit of advice that I'd ever give to anyone would be if your team is, is going well, there's every chance that you have a, a better chance of, of qualification or, or being picked on that tour. Yeah.
0: What's is the Six Nations in the back of your mind? Hey. head of these games like for tonight for example or lent someone to someone like Eastlip for example is he thinking Six Nations or is he old enough now to realise you can just focus on that one game
2: uh, he's thinking and that he's licking his lips and he's looking forward to it because he's going to be playing whereas there's other guys um Ring Rose? yeah. Well, Ring Rose you'd have to imagine is is in a, a fantastic position. Jar Payne's going to be out till yeah. to the middle of March, so
1: he's beside the incumbent number twelve. They've got a partnership developing. Yeah, you know,
2: they're playing with the with the number one ten. It's all working out really well at the moment. Yeah, um, you'd have to think that he's the obvious choice, but uh, he certainly didn't do his, uh, his chances any harm last weekend. It was a great performance against uh, a touch rugby team, but. Um, Another couple of those performances will really lend well to him, you know, being a shoe-in for the 13 jersey in green. said
0: experience there, and the advice you'd give to someone is, look, you can't be thinking of line selection at this stage. At what time in 01 did you think, I could be in with a real shout here, of not only making the tour to Australia, but actually getting into the Test 15? How early in the year?
2: Oh no, not the Test 15. I don't think... I don't think I thought really.
0: Didn't you? Didn't think it? Okay. No, I so I didn't think until I tour, got on. No, the tour
2: was what it was did about. Did you
0: have that in your mind even in January? Have a good shot at this.
2: Um, I'm trying to think back. It's a long time ago. Um, I probably I I wouldn't have wanted to admit to anyone, but I I definitely felt there's there's something to be attained here if I can have. And it was about Six Nations more than Europe mm. back then. Uh, if I can have a good six nations i 'll put myself in the shop window, uh, and that 's all I can really hope for i 'm still young i 'm only on the international scene a couple of years um so it was really only after that 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 six nations i've played reasonably well that i did I think there's a really good shot here, but i didn 't take it for granted that I was going to be picked far from it I was to, still to absolute, travel even. yeah to travel I was still right. absolutely elated when when my name was read out or whether when I'd been sent a letter, I can't remember what form it came, but I was yeah, I was properly chuffed it wasn't your first lions you, you no matter who you are and no matter what the expectation is and and how much you've been hyped. It's still an absolute treat getting the nod, and it's something that you, you do remember. Granted, I don't remember what means it happened, <laughs> but I, I do remember feeling incredible. The, uh, that
1: whole taking each game as it comes thing, right? It, we all hate it as yeah. it, people who work in the media, but ultimately, every sports person has to do that because so much can go wrong. And yet, at the same time, having that slightly longer term ambition and focus must make it a little bit easier to get up on a Tuesday or Wednesday when the body's aching from the previous weekend, and you're like, oh, geez, another. Celtic League matches, it might have been back then. And you're thinking, okay, come on, the lines is the end, is the big card here. Is there like a a little part of you that always uses that long term
2: goal as well? Yeah, I, I, do you know, I think you probably use it all the more when your team's not going well. When your team's going well, you don't you're in this. good form. Mm. You know, you're going well in the league, you're going well in Europe, you're you're qualifying for knocking stages, doing well in Six Nations. Just the feel good factor around, you can, you, you soak that off one another and, and you're on a high. It's when your team struggles that you have those moments of, Oh gosh, you know this is getting tough, and you have mm. to convince yourself that that is the carrot that you need. Fine, the team's not going well, but I've got to project the best of myself to make sure I'm on that plane. Yeah, there's a higher goal,
1: and at the end, uh, we should talk about a team who we are, are doing really well at the moment, and that's that's Leinster. Um, they're obviously a team transformed in the last twelve months, and whatever about the transformation that we'll talk about with Munster a little bit later, it's been as big a turnaround in terms of form and identity and style of play from a Leinster perspective, and. It's a combination of a million different factors. Confidence seems to be the single most important unifying factor.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, and we will touch on months as well, And confidence is the common denominator there. Um, and it doesn't matter about game styles or how you're going about winning. It's when you feel on a high, as you can see those both teams are feeling at the moment, there's nothing matches it because yeah. you just, the expectation is that you're going to win you know it's not a, it's it's bordering on that arrogance of we we you know everyone's afraid of us now they've seen how we're playing we're bringing this incredible intensity we've got a good game plan we've got young kids coming through the academy everything's ticking for us so it is a it's a wicked combination to have married with a pretty impressive skill level which you've seen on both fronts
1: yeah it's those kids coming through the academy and the the new names who kind of you know this time last year you would have been like ooh, they've got Adam Byrne, O'Loughlin, Ringrose McGrath, Furlong even at this point, uh, and it's a very callow looking team. Now you're like, this is amazing, they've got all these kids coming through, mm.
2: like they're beasts. Yeah, it's been turned on its head and it, do you know what's going to be really interesting? Because there's still a couple of stalwarts or guys that have been in the Leinster setup for a long time that are out injured. So when they come back, particularly on the wing front, I was just thinking about the likes of Dave Carney and Ferg McFadden. Yeah. You know, with Adam Byrne doing as well as he's done, O'Loughlin oh, is a try machine at the moment. Yeah. Every, every time he touches the ball, he seems to be getting over the line, so...
1: Might be a few more punch-ups in training.
2: Yeah, like you'd have to imagine <laughs> that the, the intensity of training and the and, and the standards are going to be driven again, which is very exciting from a team perspective. A bit unnerving from the individual because you don't know where you stand now. Yeah. Because that calibre of younger players really driving, has taken their opportunity. I, I must say that, that... I I've seen Adam Byrne and I've I've trained with him and he looked like a great athlete. I, I wasn't certain about his rugby playing abilities, but he's absolutely enhanced all of the different aspects that he needed to. Uh he's honed and, um you know his skill set, uh his ability to read the game has really come on, both particularly defensively. Um tackle technique has been good, all those small individual things have culminated in turning into a, a, a you're know, pretty uh, competitive rugby player now.
1: Yeah, cuz I I'd say it was it might have been possible to say something similar about ring Ringrose like there was this sense that, oh he's going to be great, but we didn't know what the the ceiling was going to be. And it turns out he could pretty much be anything he wants to be if he keeps progressing at the, the rate he's progressing.
2: Yeah, the the ceiling for him is um is is incredibly exciting because I think we've got a really really special talent. Um and it, yeah, you know, they were playing I, I, you know, I was Taking the piss, saying that they played a touch rugby team. It, it was a bit embarrassing. Some of the um, some of the defence of Zebrae last yeah. weekend, and you it, you know that phrase of you can only play who's, who's, who you're up against, um, who's put out in front of you. But his sense of space, his sense of where the offload was, every single time he got through, he was looking to get not not die with the ball, and sometimes that that meant he had to. He had to set up rooks and, and push the ball back and have good ball placement. But more often than not, he got the ball out of contact and kept um, the play alive. And it meant one less phase, meant um, defences were still scrambling. And it just creates havoc in a, in a defence when you keep the point of contact of the ball changing as often as he did. And himself and Henshaw uh, are such an exciting prospect. I, I can't wait to see more of them. Laid on to this evening,
1: yeah. So the the point about tonight's game is that they're up against this giant team of of absolute beasts who are mostly South Africans, as opposed to uh, Frenchies. Jake White has, uh, I think, thirteen Springboks on his staff at the moment, and uh, these are like uh, you know kids still in the Leinster backline. So this is a proper, this is a grown up challenge that they face tonight, and it's a proper measure of where they are. Compared to last week, for example, and like this every game is a great training game, but nothing else, so
2: yeah it probably isn 't that great a training game it 's good, for, it's good for, for that word confidence again of, yeah. of your know, passes sticking and being able to run through some training ground plays that worked well uh, they, th- those plays won 't work um, like they did last weekend because you have um, much more confrontational defense yeah we 've got a huge um, Montpellier team. Um, Leicester were very lucky to get out with a bonus point last time round. They really fought hard for it, and it's those extra bonus points are the ones that count you know, after round six. yeah. Um, but you, you'd have to feel that the way they're playing, the confidence they're playing with at the moment, they'll, they'll definitely try and move um, move Montpellier around. They are a big, not arduous team, but they're a sizable team, confrontational team. Jake quite only knows one brand. Um, and I was actually in South Africa last week, and a, a mutual friend um, Put me on the phone to him when I said that you know it was definitely a bonus point we were we were thinking about looking for it this weekend. (laughs) Just taking the piss, and the next thing I'm handed the phone with Jake White on it.
1: All right, nice one. And then I had and then I had to
2: back it up and go, so you know, so it's a five pointer, yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to just say African accent, but he said, oh, your boys are your boys are playing well. I said they are playing well, but. You know, we'll, we'll, it'll be a stern test of the weekend and we left so it So you've goaded uh, Jake pretty, pretty, I think it was amicable, <laughs> amicable. I'm, I'm not sure it wasn't, my, it wasn't my He's side. pinning your comments up on the wall <laughs> of the dressing room when you already he right. recorded it and he's the <laughs> I was
0: at in Montpellier for the game and when the Montpellier players were lining up for the kickoff, it was noticeable visibly noticeable how much bigger than Leinster they were and now you look at the two guys who are on the wing today, we know what Nadolo can do because he's just like this freak of nature. He's the I think he's the heaviest winger that's ever played in the Champions Cup. He's on one wing and Nagusa, who's half his size and still an absolute monster, is on the other. And they're up against the two new boys in Adam Byrne and Royo O'Loughlin. How different is training during the week when you know you're facing these types of guys? I mean, what can Stuart Lancaster, what could he have put in place? Do you start tackling props? Do you have to run into back rows all week? What what difference is made in training?
2: No, you don't do any of the I don't think you do any of the confrontational stuff. I think it's all about what's done in the in the classroom. Um you you know, you can't play your game early on in the week knowing what that, the physical nature of the game is going to get to on a Saturday. So you've got to do all your prep you can off your feet or simulation out on out on the park. I'd imagine a bit of the talk has been let's defend a bit tighter. Yes, you know France. The only thing is, France Steyn is a phenomenal passer of the ball, and is the width that he can throw. We can throw a twenty-meter pass on the money, so got to be a little bit careful of that. But they are, with the size of that team, they are coming at you, knowing it's going to be running over the top of you. Yes, some of them have fleet of foot, but for 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 the most part, they're going to come direct, and so they just need to compress a small bit uh, and work as a unit rather than. Um, and think about drifting off, you've got to try and get in their, in their space, uh, close down, not give them a huge amount of options and uh, I'm sure that's what Stuart Lancaster and, and Leo Cullen will have been talking about this week.
0: But the tighter you are, does that not increase the likelihood that Nadal is going to end up isolated? yeah is now what happened they They defended a little too tight for the the first Nadalo try last time, and he ended up in a Joan with style situation where he's one on one with the opposing wear and I think it was um saying Kirchner just had no chance
2: you are running the risk there's, there's there's no perfect fix against a team like like this because if you do space out the big runners like you know you look at Joe Tamani uh, in the center he's another absolute unit um and Vincent Martin as well. So there's, they're all giants in the back line. So there's going to be some option on. I think the thing is about closing down the think time on on Franstein or... Uh, or Stopping at, at, you know, at source, oh, basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's about, yes, those options are there, but when they look up, all of a sudden they're, they're being put under pressure. So they haven't got the capability to pull the trigger on mm. the one that's going to be most effective.
0: Pressure the passer rather than the receiver.
2: And listen, Leinster, the, the, one of the strong points about Leinster, the season has been that really impressive line speed. They're not thinking about who who they're marked up against. They're thinking first five steps, get off the line, and then you can make a decision. Okay. So it's not, you know, beforehand, you know, you get to a ruck and it used to be guard, first defender, second defender. And second defender would be on first man, and thereafter, you try and line up who your man was. That's gone out the window. Now it's about, you've, we have a fair idea, show a good line. Get off it, you know. Five paces, put pressure on, and then be able to make a decision. Give yourself enough time to be able to make a decision. Someone running a line.
1: Who? Where did that change come? When did that happen?
2: I, I think it's part of of, um, of Andy Farrell's defense. Right. I think Andy Farrell and Stuart Lancaster to, together, you know, formulated that defense with England. It's the best part of um, of of their team when, yeah. when they were with them. Um, it's I like.
1: Maybe this is bollocks right but it seems to suit an Irish mindset to be aggressive and front foot in all the sports that we've ever played like when our soccer team is is aggressively defending when our rugby team is aggressively defending we like doing that yeah
2: we do and i think you'd see you can see it absolutely in the Munster defence too and i don't know whether um whether it's Rastiar Erasmus coming in or whether it's the boys coming back from international going we have got to defend a little bit more aggressively um i remember years ago when we when we played um Played Munster in, in that semi-final in Croke Park and I, I intercepted the ball from Raj I remember him cursing me afterwards saying you know it was his chat all six nations that we've got to be super aggressive off the line and then he said for God's sake it comes back to bite me on the ass yeah. but, but we'd, we obviously went and won the slam because we were just shutting down space and no you know the best teams in the world you look at Dan Carter at the moment he's, he's on the back foot a small bit and his time is being yeah. um, taken away from him and he doesn't look as effective he looks normal yeah yeah
1: so when we were doing that in the Grand Slam, we still had the kind of quite structured first seconds. Yeah. but you were still also, there was a combination of that and getting off the line.
2: Yeah, I think w- there was more of a focus <coughs> about, about your first couple of steps. Yeah. In years gone by, it was very passive. It yeah. was take one step forward and three back. And all of a sudden you concede 15, sure 20 metres. There, yeah. yeah, All it was about defending together. Whereas... As it sometimes is a 13 or it doesn't matter what number you have in your back if you're say the fifth or sixth defender from the rook and you come out of the provided you don't break the line you can show really great line speed and the 10 looks outside him and sees you up into the into the passing channel where he wants to throw it certainly he's thinking. more often he's going oh intercept yeah. Oh, I'll just throw the short pass or I'll go myself or throw it back inside or I might kick it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just about forcing someone's hand a little bit in making them think you're doing one thing but then actually sitting back into the defensive line and working together again. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um this game's about to kick off, so what do you expect? Is
2: there a chance that Lance to get a bonus point tonight? Um yeah, listen, there's yeah, there's a chance because they're scoring a lot of tries at the moment. Um but the spread's ten know. points and that seems big at the moment.
0: Are we not kidding ourselves here? <clears throat> Just a little. Um, you're not necessarily talking about bonus points, but the spread being 10, I know that's from Irish bookmakers and they're taking bets from Irish punters. But like this team are fully loaded. Like this team being yeah. business. This is team. And it. I find it difficult to believe that a Leinster team that has so many first seasoners in it could go out and demolish them and put five, four tries on them and really run them ragged. It just, I just get a sense. on Pele are on a mission here. That they, 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 have real ambition to get out of this pool.
2: They're massively
0: unproven in Europe, though. There's, so maybe, there's tries, is the, yeah, there's like okay. The it's full of Maybe it's full of South. I thought they were awful at times in. Montpellier I thought they were really one dimensional I guess that's what we're going to get tonight again no,
2: we it? are undoubtedly but but that but is I the have a feeling they're the just going to play Smith. a
0: lot better now that they've had another they team once wide there with them
2: yeah I, I just like I, 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 and I'm always conscious of not losing the run of yourself particularly off the back of a 70 point victory <laughs> yeah. against every yeah. but it's it's the manner in which the Northampton again not a great side but that they put them to bed Mm. and how guys are coming in and it, it it doesn't seem about the individuals anymore. It's about fit, the cog fitting into that, into that wheel and I think they're doing it so much better where you don't seem to be missing your superstars save for your Johnny Sextons as much as you would have definitely last year anyway. Yeah.
1: Sean O'Brien missing tonight. That was kind of... That gave me a little bit of a... Ooh, that 10 points looks <laughs> unachievable without Sean O'Brien because that's just like a... Such a huge figure, and the other thing that was giving me a bit of pause was the game against Ulster, where they scored the three tries early and then didn't put them away, and that's the only time this season.
2: Yeah, and it, it is a little bit of an anomaly, and you would you, you sensed that um, that they it it was just a matter of time, yeah, and then, and then you know with twenty minutes to go, you were thinking, come on, get you know get it done, yeah, and then and then with five minutes to go, I had no doubt they weren't. They 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 were never going to get it because they yeah. they'd run their course at mm-hmm. that stage um you you get a bit sometimes when it comes easy to you in the first 30 minutes of a game I watched the wasps against Leicester last weekend as well Scored three tries in 25 minutes and then didn't get the bonus and only just managed to hold on for victory. Yeah, and they butchered three or four other opportunities. Sometimes when that happens, you think, "Oh, it'll be fine. We'll get it done over. We've got 55 minutes to go." And that's a it's a it's a negative yeah, yeah, um, it's talk to, to Yeah, too. to to keep to keep playing that way that that positive way, and then you, all of a sudden your psyche changes a little bit.
1: Okay, so Leinster are going to win, but there's no guarantees. They've got.
2: I, I would say they're not going to win with a bonus point, but. I don't think it's impossible that they could get one.
1: Okay. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to talk with uh, Jerry Flannery. Our other live game this weekend is Glasgow against Munster. It kicks off at half five tomorrow. Dave is uh, en route to Scotstoun after this. Uh, Johnny Murphy and Andrew Dunn alongside him in the commentary box. And also live tomorrow from two o'clock is Connacht against Zebre. Ushin is on duty alongside Keith Wood and Eddie Sullivan. We're back talking Munster after these. Off the ball.
2: Of the Saturday panel, every Saturday from 1. On News Talk 106 to 108.
1: All right, I'm delighted to say we've got Jerry Flannery on the line with us. Um, Jerry, we're doing this game uh, live on the show tomorrow afternoon and. It's definitely one of the picks of the uh, the round in terms of just how much is riding on it because Glasgow are still going to feel that like they have a really good chance of of coming out of this group, uh, and I guess this is the whole point of being involved in rugby for a massive week like this.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's boiled down to a uh, like we would like to have tried to. I suppose that the the result to Leicester away put us in this position, but we're still we still feel we're in, we're in good shape going into the game. Um, I think for. For Glasgow, Europe has been uh, something that's probably eluded them over the last few years, and with with Gregor Townsend and Dan McFarlane leaving, they're probably going to go all out for this game now. So you know, it's up to us to try and spoil that party.
1: the uh, The game in racing, um, obviously, so much emotion in the build up to it, but the, the quality of the performance that you guys put in. What was your what was your take on that, and how exactly did that kind of um, tally with what you'd expected from the racing team that were out there? Because they named a relatively strong side.
3: Um, yeah, we were we were very happy with the way the game went. I think we slacked off probably in the last twenty, but um, in terms of, of of going out to implement our game plan and and hopefully not letting them into the game um that worked well for us and I think the lads executed well. The work rate was the was the important thing going into the wrestling game because when we looked at them they've they've obviously got fantastic players there, um, right to the way through their squad, whatever whatever team they put out. Um but the main thing that we saw was a point of difference was probably in our own our, our conditioning and that we could probably put back to back efforts together better than they could. And uh you know it, if if you can do that, you just you don't you don't let them into the game. They don't get a sniff at your breakdown, and you can just keep shifting the ball and you keep moving
2: that big heavy packer on the field. And uh, yeah, it worked for us. Flag just, just on 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 that point of conditioning. Raj obviously and uh, Ron O'Gara obviously in the post match interview um, talked about how he felt racing were off the pace from a fitness point of view that you had the edge. Is it something that you've talked about? throughout the season and is it something you think you have over everyone else in Europe that you work or have worked or are willing to work a little bit harder than everyone else
3: um well I think I think it's 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 not something like we didn't look at it we didn't start off the season and say obviously going off the back of where we were last season we didn't start this season and say we're obviously going to be fitter than everyone in Europe we just we just look at the opponents as they come up I think I think all of the Irish sides pride themselves on being hard working and um I think that you know when you go up against some of the French teams I don't I don't think the pace in the French league is quite as high as it would be in the in the Pro12 and uh I think it's a point of difference that I think Raj, Raj even spoke about you know looking at the the age profile of the players that they sign and you know a lot of players don't tend to go to France early in their career with a look to the devel- you know looking to develop and win things they go there because you know it's probably a really nice lifestyle it's a chance to make make a few quid as well Whereas a lot of our lads are trying to are are in that stage in their career when they're working as hard as they can, and um, I suppose they, they they require more coaching time and they're not the complete product like they would be when 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 Racing go and sign say Nakarawa from Glasgow. They bring him in like this guy knows how to play. He's 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 a real experienced international. Um, I suppose it's getting them conditioned and and getting them up. So that's something where we felt we had an advantage. Um, in that game versus wrestling. I, I can't say every week, like we're, we're playing Glasgow this weekend, they're a very well-conditioned team, as, 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 as well-conditioned as any team you'd play.
1: We were chatting a bit earlier on in the show about the transformation in Leinster's fortunes from this time last year, and making the point that obviously uh, it's been a transformational year from um, on the pitch from Munster's perspective. What do you put that down to?
3: Um, I suppose we have... Yeah. We're we're together longer as well now, you know. I think last year we probably we didn't have a huge amount of experience. You know, we we you lose over the over the over the last few years, losing the likes of 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 Paulie and Felix and and you know taking lads like Rog and Dougie out of that out of the mix there. And then we had a pretty inexperienced coaching group last year as well. You know, like a, it was my first time ever coaching in professional rugby, and and it was Axel's first first gig as as a head coach. Mikko and Squeak and Brian Walsh, Mikko Driscoll and Brian Walsh, both their first times coaching in a professional role. And, and Ian Costello was there. And whilst he had been, you know, he had been working in a professional environment, it was his first time probably uh, in, in the defensive role. So we didn't really have, it was probably a case of when you're inexperienced and you're green, you're probably more keen to be prescriptive and impose yourself on the, on the, on the team. And I think that we probably did that a little bit. And the players, probably because they weren't as experienced, if you work with experienced players, they'll tell you that the best teams are kind of coached by the by the players. The coaches facilitate that and create an environment where there's feedback from both sides and everyone devises the plan together. Because the minute I'm on the field and I'm playing and the coach is telling me this is what I have to do and I don't feel i like any part of it, you know, when the plan starts to go wrong, it's start going, well, it's your plan, you know, whereas when everyone has said... And it seems so simple now when I look at it, but... Um, I think Rassi and Jack coming in have have, have 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 added an awful lot, and and our players are young. You know, they're young players, and they're getting better every year. That's that's the good thing about you know the age profile of, of our squad. Uh,
2: just on that point, was there was there a particular moment this season that you felt that the players took more ownership off coaches, or has it been a progressional thing?
3: Uh, no, it was from the start uh, when when Rassi and Jack came in, um, and we all sat down as coaches, and we. We worked out a game plan. Very much, we went through all different plans of how we how we could look to play and the advantages and disadvantages, and and then we 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 decided on one and we presented to the players and the players had buy in on that. And then it's just been a thing where it's kind of it's developed and and uh, you know a lot of people are making the point about what happened us like in the in the build up to the Glasgow game with Axel and, and that that's obviously you know, that's that's obviously been been a huge factor as well in terms of a a mentality shift to seeing that this is a game and you know, you're going to make mistakes out there and it's not going to be perfect, but like, it's still a game, you know, there's much, much worse things that can go wrong than missing a tackler. And, uh, I think that took a bit of weight off everyone's shoulders really, because, um, that's where we were going into it. You know, I think the, the strange thing is that what the Axel was trying to get across to everyone when he was coaching, just saying like, go out and just, just, just empty the tank, have, have a, have a full go. And, um, I suppose we were always going out with this idea of trying to be perfect, and maybe that was being fed in from, from from me. I was probably feeding that in about like you know it's just about winning, it's just about winning, and you can't win every single game. You can't; everything's not going to be perfect. It's, it's a case of going out and just adapting as as it happens.
0: Jerry, I remember being down there a few times last season, and when you guys were at your lowest, and particularly in and around that defeat in Paris to Stad, and you could tell that Axel it was weighing very heavily on his shoulders that he. He was all consumed by this monster head coaching job, and I just wonder for yourself. As you say, it was a pretty callow coaching ticket. Did your confidence and self belief as a coach take a real hit last season as well? Did you need building up from Anthony and from Razzie and the the new coaching staff when they arrived this year?
3: Yeah, I think this coaching is the same as any job. When it doesn't go well for you, you, you question yourself. You know, but it doesn't matter if you're if you're if you're coaching fantastically well. Like if you know, you you, you always have to question yourself. Uh, I suppose it's just when it's consistently when you just results aren't happening, and when you're so emotionally invested in a team like Munster already, because it's been part of your kind of been part of your identity, because everything you've done is kind of in 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 and around the team, and it's not going well. You you take it very very personally, but it's no more so than a player who goes through a run of bad form and then just you know works harder and works himself out of a rush. That's the way it is. Like I didn't think that oh I can never be a good coach, and I was doing it. I just went look for and. This is tough here. It was very, very tough. And after we lost to Leicester away this week this year, I remember I was dropping Felix Jones home and he was so traumatized and devastated after the game. Not to say that I wasn't, but I said, Felix, I said, This is one game, man. I said, We lost five hundred pounds last year, you know. This is this is the game. You you win and you lose. You just have to get ready to adapt and, and come up with a new plan for next week.
1: Uh, I think in the off season as well, you went and and studied under Peter de Villiers for a while down in Cape Town. What was that experience like?
3: Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, I suppose uh, the sc- scrummaging is such a specialist area; it's so niche, like that. Whereas I could go to any club and you know around, like if I wanted to learn about attack or D, someone's always going to have something there. But it's Scrummaging is, is is quite specialist and when I met Rassi uh, last year and he was asking me, I said, well look, I want to develop as a coach as well, I want to I feel I can add more value and um, he suggested, well, you could go down to Peter de Villiers, um, who he worked with, the, he was the box scrum coach and um, I jumped at the idea and I went down and it was really good um, to chat to him, he's a really deep thinker and, you know, I suppose I think most Irish people have this stereotype in their head of South Africans as being like, you know, very, very straight, direct, and you know, it's my way or the highway. Absolutely not, from my experience with with Rassie, with Jack, with with Peter, they've been they're real deep thinkers and they're open to new ideas and they're innovators. And I learned a lot down there with him, and uh, I got a chance to take a recipe that he had and put my own flavour on it and bring it back. and I didn't know if the thing would work I still don't know if it's going to work full time but it's it's going okay at the moment and all we can do is just keep trying to make it better every little bit every week
1: I read too that um, after the, the Glasgow game the first time around the retired players and the current players got together and they had a night together and they had a few drinks and there was kind of a, a, a coming together of the generations where I think maybe last year you might have had the sense that the recently retired former players were looking at the team going jeez lads what are you doing
3: yeah, I think that I think that's always the case that that former players who, like, if you ask Brian now, I know he's he's involved in the media, but he'll still look and he will still have a fondness for Leinster. He still wants always Leinster to go well because so much of his best memories have been involved with that team. He doesn't want to, seem to see the see that team drop off the face of the earth. And um, I suppose with Munster, that the thing was that I was involved when the when things were were going really well, and and we've been trying to get it back to that spot. And at times it can it can feel like like when I was I used to, I would always follow Munster when I was out when I when I after I retired. At times it at times it feels like when you're when I'm in here now that when things aren't going well, you feel like you're letting down all these people that have such high aspiration such you know, there's a responsibility when you work at Munster and you feel like oh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm letting down all all my past teammates and stuff like that. And and for the current lads, they feel this burden of expectation on them because for when I played at Munster we, hadn't, we didn't win anything for a good few years. We got to semifinals and finals, and we just, you know, we tried our best, and, and we fell short. But because there was no, there wasn't that expectation for silverware, people wanted us to win, but it wasn't. That benchmark hadn't been reached yet. It wasn't like every time we fell short, it wasn't like get rid of all the players, get new coaches. So we stayed together for a long time, and then we managed to win, and then that feeds, that feeds into, you know, that's, just more fuel on that fire to train and you get addicted to winning and and we managed to stay together for another 3 or 4 years and we won another couple of trophies and then then we were all knackered and we were all off to the off to the knackers yard then because we were all retired but but the reality for our current crop is that there's an expectation on them to win every year so that's it's so much harder for the current Munster teams that have followed and um and I just felt that burden that was there from the ex players and then to see what happened then in the Glasgow game, to see all the ex players coming in, and they were just so grateful and so so appreciative of what the current team did. And then after that game, we had a we had a few drinks, and it was for me it was really cool to see all my ex teammates mingling with these lads who are you know really really good young players who are who love Munster as well. You know they love Munster as much as the other lads do, and and to see that happening was was uh, was, was really good.
1: I, that whole thing about culture, Brian, like. It's so hard to get it right, but when it kind of when it's not right, everybody knows it, and it looks like Munster kind of over the last couple of months are, are getting back to a point where everything is progressive, where everything's feeding off each other.
2: Yeah, I think as well. There's certain clubs that there's a, an expectation where there's there's no cycle, where there's where there's peaks and troughs, and, and Munster is one of them. Yeah. There's just a, a constant expectation. Had it throughout the whole two thousands, had a, had a small bit of a dip, you know, for two or three years, and. You know there was there was talk. This isn't the Munster way, you know. Um, but there's, they seem to have gotten themselves back to the place where that expectation level is, and that's not from a, a fan base point of view. It's it's probably more so from a player point of view. Um, and now, like you know, I looked at the team at the start of the year, and yes, you know, um, there's been a massive reaction to Axel's um, passing. Um, and I, but I looked at that team and I thought, I, I don't know how they can compete in a European competition, in the pool that they were in. And I looked at their front five, and I thought, I don't know if, if they're European winners. And I, I don't know about you, Jerry. you're obviously um, doing a lot of coaching of that front five, but they seem to be the real strength of the team at the moment. You, you know, the performances from, from John Ryan and Ni- Niall Scannell, Dunica Ryan was like a man possessed last yeah. week. Um, so I, I've, it's been, my point has completely been flipped where the weakness has now actually become the real strength.
3: Yeah, well, look, I agree with you 100% in that, in that you're never going to win anything in Europe unless, you're, unless your front five can 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 deliver you, you know, disrupt the opposition and deliver you a stable platform for you to launch from. And um, if I told you at the start of the year that I thought that we'd be where we were with that group, I'd probably be lying to you, you know. And I think most people that tell you that would probably be lying as well if they said, oh, yeah, I knew that Munster would be this good this year with that front five. And, um, you know... I think, but like I said to you, they're still they're young players, so you don't know where the ceiling is at them. Noel Scandal has been has been absolutely outstanding this year. John Ryan has been absolutely outstanding. Like we're so blessed between Stephen Archer or between um, David McCoin and and James Cronin, there that they're alternating every week and they, and they bring a different flavor every time they play, but they're equally as effective. Um, and then, you know, Donagh Ryan, I agree with you one hundred percent. I thought he was he was. Really push CJ close for man in the match last week, and then that frees up because we everyone recognises the strength in our back rows. You know, like the likes of Peter Armani, CJ, Tommy, Jack who coming in there as well. Like we have real quality. That's not even to mention like when I when I look at the second string that we have in Monster at the moment, that's what excites me. The likes of Darren O'Shea, you know those, those kind of players. Darren O'Shea, we signed him from Worcester last year, and he hasn't really got a full run with us, but the quality of players that, that are competing and training every week is driving the standard. And uh, I think people got a glimpse of that in the Maori game. And they're personally, for me as a coach, really, really rewarding because I see lads who are there training all year. The likes of John Madigan, Darren O'Shea, Peter McCabe. Those lads come in, Stephen Archer. They had huge games for us in the Maori game. And people are only recognizing that that's the kind of level. Like if if you have one one good 15 and they're training against 15 Muppets, you're not going to go anywhere because they're not going to get better during the week. They we're getting better during the week and then we get a chance to only there's a lucky 23er gets to go out and, and, and show their wares at the weekend. So I think that's you have to have a squad and to getting the balance right is really really difficult because you can't have Munster can't afford to have, you know, a, a huge amount of seasoned internationals sitting on the bench. We can't afford, we can't afford that. So we've got to be developing young players, and and you've got to get the the timing right that those lads are in contention, and they're pushing. They're pushing your senior your senior players then, and it, it's it's starting to come right, you know. But I'm keen not to not to play us up too much because look, we had the same group of players last year, and people were rubbishing us. And this year now we're, it's going well. We haven't won anything, but it's enjoyable at the moment. But like, I just think you gotta you got to keep a certain amount of humbleness about you because uh, I remember the sting from last year when we were losing those games.
1: Jerry, great stuff. Thanks very much for joining us. Best of luck tomorrow.
3: OK, welcome. See you.
1: Great stuff, Jerry. Thanks a million. Yeah, there's uh, definitely humility about, <coughs> about uh, Munster. Scannell has a good chance of being in the Ireland squad for the Six Nations the way he's been playing.
2: Oh, definitely. I think um, with Sean Cronin you know, injuring his hamstring last week, I, d- I don't know how serious that is but you'd have to imagine just on... on um on performance alone, he's put himself right in the mix. Yeah. Um yeah, he was he was exceptional. I know again Ron O'Gara made reference to him and his performance. His darts have been really good. I was listening to, to Keith and Jerry on, on Wednesday's show. They were talking a bit about it. Um but it's it's his work around the park is what will really have um grabbed the attention of Joe Schmidt.
0: Yeah. Speaking of flannery, we were he was sitting just to my right last Saturday. And like it was roundabout kickoff It was zero degrees Minus one degrees It was absolutely freezing Did he have the gun show out? He had the gun show out And he was wearing a pair of shorts (laughs) And ankle socks I was looking
2: at him You crazy fool What are you doing? And his wife's t-shirt
0: It was unbelievable (laughs) I was wearing everything I owned And there's Flannery In the usual pair of shorts Tough man
1: like the uh, wide receivers from the New York Giants who were out in Green Bay with uh, no tops on to prove yeah. how hard they were and then they kept dropping the ball Although unlike
0: those wide receivers Munster actually went down and it's walked true. the walk afterwards um,
1: The Munster transformation the thing about the expectation is as well that like, it was a really negative thing for that whole team you remember the fans a small portion of the fans were getting on Keatley's back when he was missing kicks there seems to be a realisation amongst the fans too that actually the Munster identity is not just about winning, it's about community and it's about values and it's all about all that kind of stuff.
2: And, and you will have had no Munster supporter um, give out in any capacity, I would imagine, at the, at the loss to Leicester. Yeah, they weren't at their best, but they were confrontational. They, were, they, they played with ambition, they played with spirit, all the attributes that are expected of them. Yeah. That was what the fall down was, the, the point Dave made earlier on. The, the loss over in Stad last year was that it was a full-on capitulation. It was just and so We've never, monster we've monster. never seen that. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly not in, in the professional era, to, to my knowledge, we've never seen that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they, th- there was a lot of home truths were, were spoken in the aftermath of that. But it, it makes
1: sense when you listen to how everything was prescriptive we were telling them what to do and we weren't allowing them to uncover their own plan anytime we've talked about like the successful teams the ireland team beginning to become successful it's because the the leadership group with the players are informing the coaches who's going well what's going to happen you know what what they're trying to do what's working and what's not
2: and they're even bringing ideas you know be it i'm sure a lot of those senior players are bringing ideas from the irish setup because they all see joe as a very forward thinking coach and yeah. likewise andy farrell from a defensive point of view but the older players get the more confidence they get as w- well in being able to dictate play, and I think you you know within you can see it in Connor Murray, yeah, um, you see it in Johnny Sexton getting now into into his thirties, they're they're willing to be the ones that come up with the ideas and are pitching them to their coaches at the start of the week. Do you know what? I looked at our opposition over over the last week. It's a big game, and I think this play will work really well, or what about that? Yeah, and then. Yeah, they're the grind. ones that are gen- generals out on the pitch. Yeah. You know, coach can only hold your hand so much. Uh, so just before we go, are
1: Glasgow probably going to win this game. I mean, that would be the expectation that most people have.
2: I think it's a toss of a coin. Yeah. I think that I, very I, close. I don't. I don't think you could possibly call it. I think I watched Glasgow against Rasting and they ripped them apart over yeah. there. They were brilliant. They played some fantastic stuff. And Rasting
1: still thought they had a chance at that point.
2: Yeah, exactly. They were you know they were do or die at that yeah. stage and they got nothing from the game. Uh, Glasgow didn't get a bonus point, which is the only slip-up from that performance. But I I, I feel it's very hard to call, I think, the it's pitch. Be a cracker, isn't it? The, yeah, it should because be. The, the pitch, pitch will make
0: it a real slick game. You've got guys like Finn pitch. Russell and Stuart Hogg that are in the Glasgow back line. Only two teams, Glasgow and Leicester, are the only teams that have stopped Munster scoring at least two tries in all of their 18 games so far this season. I'd, I think this could be an absolute belter of a match.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what games are you at, at this weekend? We've got Wasps, Toulouse uh, tomorrow uh, in London and then Studio, we've got uh, three games at BT, uh, Clermont-Bordeaux, Ulster-Exeter and Toulon-Sailor, the, real, the really big one this weekend, Toulon-Sailor and <laughs> Toulon. We did
0: mention Connacht, but we need Wasps to hammer Toulouse, do we? We,
2: we do and I, I, my fear is that it still may not be enough because Connacht needs to know going over to Toulouse that if they get a point... It'll be enough description, yeah. if they can get a point because that that changes your mentality. Yeah. Just looking at their injury list, they're they they've been pretty unfortunate. Teams get that, yeah, and they've gotten it in in spades this this year. But um, you just Munster and Leinster had it last year and had it, disastrous seasons. Yeah, they did it, but you just there's a great chance for Connacht. I thought themselves and Wasp were favoured. I just feel that the form that Toulouse have come off the, ba- the, the couple of big performances the last two weeks, That's win I'm at Clermont, ask. win away at Stade too. Toulouse have a, a
1: chance against Wasp or at least a chance of getting a, a losing bonus point, which nobody else has done.
2: And I think if they get that, they're absolutely in the, in, yeah. in the driver's seat. Um, but yeah, we'll all, you know, we'll all be cheering on you know, Wasp tomorrow to try and deny them that um, you know, loss by more than seven
1: Ulster kind of need a, a bonus point win tomorrow. Really they need an miracle. A,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Do you know it's? You look at that; they're both they're both on nine, I think yeah. themselves and Bordeaux. It's not like, inconceivable to think that both Claremont and Exeter could win, and so the two second place in that team could remain on nine. Now, I think Exeter in that capacity would actually leapfrog yeah. those two, but they're not going to qualify. I think that max they can get is fifteen. Or, yeah. So um, Ulster do need.
0: They need to double their tally. They need nine. They need to win the, the home game with do, a bonus point. They need They win. need nine, you're right. Yeah. Is they 18 going to be enough to get out? Depends what happens tonight. Yeah. Um, if Leinster beat Montpellier out the gate, that helps teams like Ulster. If Montpellier are still live and kicking in, the, in their pool, heading into the round six, well, it, it lessens the chance of an 18-pointer making it through as a runner-up. Because you may guarantee that one of Munster and Glasgow will qualify as a runner-up. So there's one spot taken already. And almost certainly a team from... Carrickspool will go through as the runner-up.
2: It would be brilliant if Ulster could get a win. Doesn't have to be with a bonus in in Exeter and yeah. and Bordeaux got a got a win too because yeah. then they have to come over to them in uh, Kingspan uh, next week and that would make for a cracking game yeah. with lots at stake. So yeah, I, I kind of hope uh, you know they do both win and and keep it keep it open. All right, Christopher Frank. Thanks, a million Cheers off the ball.
0: Get all the best bits at Newstalk.com slash off the ball.
2: Newstalk 106 to 108.